rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1745. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in Pleasant Ridge, which sounds like a pleasant place, which it is in Michigan, with a very special guest by the name of Paul Eisenstein. Paul, welcome to Cars Yeah! Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? All set to go. All right, cool. We'll have a little bit of fun. Now, before I give you a proper introduction, as if you need one, because you've been out there in the journalism and publishing world forever, what's one little thing that maybe most people don't know about you? Mm, well, let's see. I grew up on the East Coast. That's one thing. I came late to uh, writing about the auto business. That's another one. And uh, I've occasionally jumped out of perfectly good airplanes. How's that for another? <laughs> well, hopefully with, with something on your back. But uh, yeah, obviously, because you're still here today. So uh, I, I'm not sure I could do that. I've had plenty of guests who've had, even had a guest on the show who was the first guy to fly a hot air balloon uh, in Africa. So uh, there you go. I've mm. had some interesting characters here. And wow. you are definitely one of them. And I want to give you a proper introduction and we're going to dive into your life because, boy, what a life you've had. Paul Eisenstein is the editor-in-chief and publisher of the TheDetroitBureau.com, the voice of the automotive world. He's an award-winning publisher, photographer, editor, and one of the world's most widely published automotive journalists. His work has appeared online, in print, and through various broadcast outlets, including NPR and the BBC. Paul has worked for media outlets, including NBC and CNBC, The Economist, and of course, many others. J.D. Power also named him a pioneer of the internet. Paul launching one of the web's first automotive sites back in 1996. Today, he publishes the DetroitBureau.com and serves as a juror for the North American Car of the Truck of the Year Awards and spends as much time as possible driving pretty much anything he can get on the road. We'll be back in just a minute, but first a little word from our sponsors. Give them a little listen. We'll be right back. We're here with a legendary guy in the automotive world, so sit tight. Buckle up. The best way to protect and preserve your vehicles, along with the meanings, memories, and experiences they give you, is with a quality-made, custom-fit car cover from my friends at Covercraft. At Covercraft.com, you'll find a multitude of options, including form-fit, fleece satin, and their unique view shield. Yeah, you can see right through the cover. Need a cover that will protect your rides outside? Quality options include Weather Shield, Weather Shield HD, Weather Shield HP, Sunbrella, Reflect, Carhartt Evolution, and of course, NOAA. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, and watercraft too. Custom-made covers for any vehicle, you can get them from Covercraft. Shield your vehicles from the rain, the snow, the sun's damaging rays with soft, safe breathability dust protective and ding protection and protection from those paint destroying bird droppings live in a windy area covercraft gust guards are a must-have option worried about theft you can get cable locks with their built-in grommets that keep your cover on your vehicle their website makes ordering fast and easy and i'll tell you their talented customer service department they'll walk you through any of your questions you want a deal use the code yeah 21 at Covercraft.com and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order thanks to me. That's right, 10% off. Simply use the code YA21 
at checkout. I've been protecting my vehicles with their covers since 1975. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. American Collectors Insurance, that's who now protects my Porsche Turbo. Yeah, the one I call my orange crush. When it came time to renew my policy, my carrier jacked my rates up, even though I'd been with them for years. I'd never made a claim. No tickets, nothing. What's with that? Adios. So I started shopping around and kept hearing about American Collectors Insurance from fellow automotive enthusiasts, friends, and folks in the car industry. I did some investigating and learned that American Collectors Insurance have been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I'm not a price shopper when it comes to insurance. I want to be able to sleep at night. I also want agreed value protection for my special ride. With an agreed valued policy from American Collectors Insurance, I'll be paid what my vehicle's full agreed value is. A number I set with the insurer at the start of the policy so I know there will be no surprises about what my car's value is, should something terrible happen. I shopped around and decided to protect my car with American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call for a quote today at 866-ACI-YEAH, that's 866-224-9324, and protect the ones you love. Make sure you tell them Mark sent you. You'll be glad you did. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. All right, Paul, as we continue on what I'm going to call your journey in life, I would love for you to share a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has meaning for you. It's a nice way to get the tires spinning here on Cars Yeah. I know you love to drive and you've driven a lot of vehicles, so take the wheel. Yeah. Uh, You know, the one that I was given uh, as a mantra way back when I was in college and really didn't have any idea what I was going to do with my life, uh, I think was the most appropriate thing I've ever I've ever been told. You make your own luck. Now, the reality is it's that's not completely true. I mean, there are people that literally walk into the line of fire uh, and have things happen to them that they have no control over whatsoever. But we have a lot more control over our life than people think. And even when you're given bad luck, uh, you can wind up just snatching something out of the passing air, if you will. You can take an opportunity that other people might not even see, never mind be able to manage, and and turn it to, to your own benefit. And that's where you make your own luck. I really like that you said this. I listen to a lot of different podcasts. One of them is with Jocko Willett. And one of the things he says is when something, what you perceive as bad happens to you, say the word good and then turn it around and discover Mm. why what happened to you is good. Learning opportunity, chance to be better, perhaps, whatever that might be. But I agree with you 100%. You make your own luck. And you certainly have done that with your career. And I want to dive into this. There's a couple things I want to touch on. One is the DetroitBureau.com. I'd love for you to share with my listeners as if they haven't already heard of it, what it is, why you created it, what it means to you. And then I have a couple questions about the automotive sector. Let's first start with the Detroit Bureau. Well, you know, if you don't mind, I'll go back a little bit further. I grew up, as I mentioned earlier, in New New York, New Jersey area, (laughs) and wound up coming out to Michigan to go to school. Last place I thought I would stay. Uh, It was was a couple years of college. I needed to finish up a degree, and then I thought I'd go back. But uh, as, again, as luck happens, uh, through freelancing, and in one case, because of a problem with a car, I connected with some people, got a job offer here that I couldn't turn down. 
thought I'd stay in Michigan for two years and instead wound up staying on. Uh, National Public Radio asked me to freelance right about the time the auto industry went into the handbasket, uh, as it were, back in 1979. You may just be old enough to remember when uh, the uh, energy crises hit and all that. Oh, yeah. And so so uh, that started me off. I wound up uh, working for NPR uh, on contract, turned down staff, and uh, I liked it because I could freelance. And the longer I freelanced, the more I got into, no surprise in Detroit, covering cars. And I always wanted to publish. I wrote for a lot of people. You mentioned that when you introduced me, a lot of folks over the years. You know, I mean, there are very few publications, major publications I haven't written for, and I'm working on those. But um, I wanted to publish, but I didn't want to go into the classic way of publishing, you know, set up a a print magazine. The, The barriers to entry are so severe, the cost is so severe, that I was looking at ways to do things online. And the internet came along, so I launched my first website in 1996. Remember, remember, those were the days when yeah, slow feeds and yeah, dial up and yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe one out of one out of twenty people knew how to get on the internet. It was it was a pretty rarefied time. There really weren't automotive websites out there. Nobody knew what it could do. And I launched something which uh, uh, called the Car Connection, which is still around. I ran that for uh, nearly a dozen years and then sold it. Didn't like the direction the people were taking. So I wound up splitting off and negotiated a deal that allowed me to start up another site. Uh, The Detroit Bureau was the name of my freelancing service. So it was just the obvious name to pick up. And that was launched in 2008. And here we are, Coming up on more than a dozen years later, I actually sold the site just la- this past September. Oh, wow. Uh, I wanted to get some in- additional investors in, and, and basically the package, the way that it's worked out, is it's functioning essentially as if it were investors as opposed to you know me just selling it and walking away. Love the people I'm working with. Uh, we are going to be in for a grand expansion. You'll see a new design. Uh, oh, Probably in the next month to six weeks, we'll have a complete redesign. Uh, We're going to be adding more content. One of the great things is we've just added more staff. We increased our staff, uh, our writing uh, editorial side by a third Mm -hmm. uh, just recently with, I hope, more to come. And we'll be adding more content, more features. And I'm just really looking forward to where we can take the site going forward. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. Very cool news. So uh, I love to hear this. I love to hear of my guest's success. And already you've had so much success and you just keep, I won't say reinventing yourself, but changing and moving forward in a positive way, which I think is fantastic. You know, there's a couple of things I wanted to touch on here while I have you, since you're the expert in the field. Three things I want to touch on. One is the push to electrification and autonomy in vehicles. Mm. Your opinion of that? Well, it's it it is the story. Uh, you know, I was talking to uh, one of my colleagues uh, with a new organization that I'm working with, and he was asking, "Well, how much do you do we do?" on uh, electrification and autonomous technologies, all the new the new uh, tech, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I realized that at least half of the stories we've done in the last week have had, were either specifically about electric or had, if you will, an electric vehicle component to it. Mm-hmm. You know, Mazda, for example, dropping the sale of its diesel. It never really took off here. And one of the reasons that they're moving out of that is because they realize diesel isn't the future, but they're going to have to increase their presence in electric. 
Now, I, I get a lot of people, and I'll bet as as people listen to this podcast, they're going to go, oh, I don't like electric vehicles, or oh, they're short range, bad performance, all those things that you could say about electric vehicles when they first started coming to market a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Mark, I'm assuming you have driven some of the newer electric vehicles. Am I right? Yeah. So you know that they are very different from what they used to be. Oh, yeah. As you mentioned early on, I'm with the North American Car, Truck, and Utility Vehicle of the Year, shortened to NAC Toy. I'm a juror, and we just named the Mustang Mach-E, the Ford Mustang Mach-E, as a Utility Vehicle of the Year. Believe it or not, it beat out the Genesis GV80 and the Land Rover Defender. I which know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head going, what? <laughs> not to mention the, the whole concept that why do they name it that? Well, I'll tell you what. I might have been skeptical, and I don't think this would have happened two years ago, and now I think it would. Some of my colleagues, if you looked at the votes, the tally of votes, it was so overwhelmingly in favor of the Mustang Mach-E. That tells you how different things are, because some of the folks on our jury are the type that never would have said a kind word about an electric vehicle as recently as, say, a year or so ago. Sure. And that has changed. Range is getting longer. We're going to see when the when the Lucid Air comes out, they'll be offering a 500-mile range version of that. And it is common now that vehicles, electric vehicles, are running two to 300 with some even pushing into 400 and, as I say, 500-mile range mm-hmm. per charge. There are starting to be more and more chargers out there, and there'll be a lot more going forward. Uh, Whatever you think about President Biden, one of the key things he wants to do is have electric charging stations, public quick chargers, become the norm rather than the exception. Mm -hmm. Performance? Well, let's see. Uh, You can get a Tesla Model S Performance Edition that will go 0 to 60 as quickly as, remember this one, the Dodge challenger hellcat (laughs) demon yeah the uh dragster for the uh commuter guy (laughs) right so you're you're now seeing electric vehicles that are frequently doing under three and a half seconds zero to 60 i believe the the uh hummer edition one the gmc is bringing out will be in the just over three second range zero to 60 the the high performance Mach-E GT that's coming out this summer will be somewhere in the three-second range. And Tesla is claiming that they're going to break the two-second barrier when they bring out the, uh, the their next-generation Roadster. So, you know, when you look across the board, these cars are getting more lavishly equipped, longer range, higher performance, charging is becoming easier, and of course, it's very easy to charge at home, and prices are falling. Prices are expected to become less than a comparable gas engine by about 2025, 2026, with all the new battery technology coming. So I'm a skeptical proponent of electric vehicle, and proponent is becoming the dominant phrase, uh, at least more and more every year. You know, I agree with you, and I've always had, never had an electric car, but I've driven some. And I know that for my wife, I, I work at home, she commutes a little bit, and I feel pretty confident that the next new vehicle or I tend to not like to buy new vehicles anymore because I like to be <laughs> smart with my money. But let's say the next vehicle will probably be in our household an electric vehicle. It just makes sense for what we do and how we drive. In the case of my cars, I'm sad to say I don't really go anywhere. Now, this past year, there's obvious reasons for that. I was just looking this morning because I got a notice from my BMW dealership. Hey, where are you? Doesn't your car need service? And I went out and I went, 
I only drove like 300 miles last year. I, I don't go drive it. It sits. Ow. Yeah. So, well, there's a, a bunch of reasons for that. Mostly it's called pandemic, of course. Yep. But uh, other reasons too, I just don't have a need to. I don't commute anywhere other than down the hallway. So I don't wear out yeah. my Michelins. I wear out my slippers now. When we talk about electric cars and vehicles, real briefly before we dive into the next question, in your mind, which automakers are going to thrive, survive, or fail in this coming next couple of years, let's say? I'm going to insert one more comment following up on what I just said, because this is an important thing I left out, and then I'll get to the, the manufacturer question. One of the key things that people need to start thinking about is cost of ownership. You know, we all think about what we pay up front, the, the $25,000, dollars $45,000 up front, but more and more people are starting to realize that it's cost of ownership. What are you actually paying every month when you add in insurance and taxes and gas and all that? Uh, it was very interesting. A few months ago, Consumer Reports magazine came out with a study they did of the of mostly first-generation electric vehicles, some newer ones. And what they came up with was spectacular. It really should change a lot of opinions. For the typical driver, which means twelve to 15,000 miles a year, you will pay about half as much per mile for operating costs as you would with a gas-powered vehicle. Remember, no oil changes, no tune-ups. A lot less parts. Yep, a lot less parts, a lot of a lot fewer things that wear out, and so on and so forth. Batteries now, forget, forget thinking that you have to replace them at 50,000 miles. Uh, the batteries on most of these vehicles are going to last well beyond the life of the vehicle so that manufacturers like GM and Tesla and others are looking at what they call second life, taking batteries after they come out of the vehicle and still have typically 70 plus percent of capacity and using them for things like grid backup. Mm, yeah, yeah. Okay. Love so it. your battery will actually have value after the car is scrapped. Mm. So who will be? Okay, so your question, who will be the manufacturers that really take off? Now, Tesla is certainly the dominant force right now. You know, they they are number one, two, and three in terms of best-selling electric vehicles. Chevy is a distant fourth with the with the uh, Chevrolet Bolt EV. Uh, there's an updated version of that and an extended version called the EUV coming. And you're going to see, let's see, the, 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 the GMC Hummer coming, the Cadillac Lyric. You're going to see more Chevys. Basically, GM has upped the total number of electric vehicles that they plan to bring to market from an estimated 20 plus by 2023 to 30 by mid-decade. Now, some of those will only be in overseas markets. They ha they are, believe it or not, one of the number one sellers of electric vehicles in China right now with a super cheap uh, mini EV that they have. Mm -hmm. So I think GM is starting to win over skeptics. If you look at their stock price, that, that becomes clear. The stock price is doing the best it has since they emerged from bankruptcy a decade ago. GM is the, one of the ones to really, that, that Elon Musk could be looking over his shoulder at. Mm -hmm. The other is Volkswagen. Volkswagen is talking 50 electrified vehicles, or all electric vehicles by mid-decade. And that will include everything from, uh, you know, their, their European models like uh, the brands Seat and Skoda, to the VW ID4. That'll be their first all electric long range model here in the States coming out in the next couple of months. It's uh, an SUV. Uh, even Bentley, I don't know if you heard this, but Bentley has plans to go all 
I mean, entirely, 100% Incredible, isn't it? <laughs> electric <laughs> yeah. by 2030. And by 2026, the only models they will sell will be either plug-in hybrids or all electric. Yeah, incredible. Volvo. Volvo is moving to all electrified, which includes hybrids and plug-ins as well as all pure electric. Uh, so those are a couple of the brands. Ford, I, I think with their new CEO, uh, Jim Farley, they're going to up their commitment to electric. Nissan, we're going to watch. They were the they were the first with a, with a mainstream battery electric vehicle, but they've been slow to move beyond that. They have a new one coming later this year called the Aria. That's going to be critical. Toyota and Honda are the curious ones. They are big on hybrids, slow on all electrics. So yeah. are they late to the party? I think they are, and they're going to have to catch up. Honda recently announced plans to bring two all-electric models to market using the General Motors batteries and platform. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And here's one more thing. The other one to watch out for is China Inc. You know, barring worsening of our trade trade war to the point where they simply can't come into the US. I expect the Chinese will start pushing battery electric vehicles on the market here within the next five years. Now, that said, we've been talking about China coming here for a decade. So could they continue to be pu uh, pushed back? Possibly. But they really want to dominate the electric vehicle market. There you go. Amazing. Times, they are a changing. Oh, yeah. Well, I always talk to my guests about challenges. And there's a little something, a saying you have that I want you to elaborate on with this idea of challenges and failures and how we overcome them and what we teach ourselves when we deal with these things, the hungry dog syndrome. What's that? <laughs> well, that's a unique, that's a unique phrase. Uh, as I mentioned, I am still officially a freelancer, even though I do serve as editor and publisher of the Detroit Bureau.com. Mm -hmm. uh, I still have a lot of clients, NBC, Business Insider, uh, The Economist, others. And what you'll find whenever you talk to a freelancer is that it's very hard to say no. You know, you're always looking for the, one more gig. Sure. One more assignment. And this probably, well, it did first apply to people like me who were freelancers in the automotive world. But that's changing because it seems like a good chunk of America now is part of the gig economy. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you can say the same thing about the person who drives an Uber. Eh, you know, I'll put in one more hour. I'll I'll make my nut if I just put in another hour or work one more day this week. Right. And and I think that that has become the 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 same story across the economy. People are just more and more finding, particularly if they're not full-time employees, they're hungry for that one more project, one more uh gig. Yeah. Uh, and like a dog, you know, dogs put the food in front of them, they're going to eat it. So that's why it's hungry dog syndrome. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, there's so many ways for us to do things nowadays. If you told me, well, gosh, now it's been seven years ago, I was going to do podcasting. I'd go, what's a podcast? I have no yeah. idea what that is. Yeah. And here we sit 1,745 people later and got a new podcast starting up this first quarter that's going to be really exciting and different. Nice. Yeah, fantastic. Well, let's take a short break and thank our sponsors, How the how This Dog Eats. And we come back, I want to dive into your personal passion for cars. So sit tight. We'll be right back. Here at Cars Yeah, it's all about inspiration. And our charity of choice is TechForce Foundation, where it's all about making a positive difference in young people's lives. TechForce helps young adults discover their talents and passions 
for all things automotive with a mission of helping students develop a career as a professional technician. TechForce awards nearly $2 million in scholarships every year for students to pursue technical education, and they support hands-on activities, events, and mentorships across the country, working to change the outdated perceptions of these careers. Autotechs are in high demand, but the supply of qualified technicians is critically short. They need your help to fuel their mission. Learn more and join me in supporting them at techforce.org. Hey, fellow inspiring automotive enthusiasts, did you know if you subscribe at carsdad.com, I'll send you my free filler up book. It's an ebook filled with fuel filler fun and inspirational quotes from past guests here on Cars Yeah. Plus, you'll get a weekly wrap up email from me every Friday, and your name will be in the hat for one of the many free giveaways here at Cars Yeah. Simply go to carsyeah.com and click on the free book button, and boom, you're in the club. And don't forget to subscribe to Cars Yeah on your mobile podcast app, and you'll get the Cars Yeah show delivered right to your mobile device every day, absolutely free. Inspiring automotive enthusiasts, that's what we're all about. Here at Cars, yeah. Thanks for listening. All right, we're back, and I'd love for you to share a story with me, Paul, that instigated this passion you have for th- cars and things that roll. Uh, that pivotal moment in your life, and you knew, you know what? I think I'm a car guy. <sighs> you know, it's hard harder than for some people to try to say what really made the difference. I grew up, as I mentioned, just outside of New York, and I knew a lot of people that were just crazy for muscle cars. Mm-hmm. I was the guy who uh, enjoyed the the European and Asian vehicles instead, and, but I never had the money to really invest in my car the way I wanted to. And uh, it really wasn't until I started working as a freelancer that I had the chance to enjoy, really enjoy cars. And a couple of things were Brought the passion up. One, uh, I really was became passionate about the car business. You know, when you live inside of a business that employs one out of seven Americans, you realize just how exciting it is. And because of what I did and being located in Detroit and having the chance to test drive vehicles, I got to do things like going out on track and going on special trips and driving incredible automobiles. And those were the things that really, really just set my, my passion going. You know, you don't have to spend much time on track uh, in, in whatever the latest Corvette or Ferrari or McLaren is to just fall in love with it. If you, <laughs> you have <think>? any, <laughs> any love of, of muscle, yeah. you know, and, and, and I love machines. I mean, I've always loved machines that let you move. So uh, as soon as I really had the chance to play with cars – Really, really performance cars. That just that just hooked me all together. Well, no kidding. I mean, that'll do it. And I asked my guests about a very special car in their life. Now, I want to ask you this, though. Maybe we switch yours up a little bit. You got to drive some pretty, well, you've driven a lot of cool cars. But there's two in particular, the Bentley Blue Train and a Jaguar D-Type. Both you drove at Le Mans. Yeah, one I drove at Le Mans. The other one I did drive in France past Le Mans. Past Le Mans. <laughs> you just blew by. I didn't get on the I track. I think I'll stop so, there and I'll just keep going to the south. <laughs> yeah, I've been lucky enough to somehow or another wangle uh, invitations to some very, very special events. And and you mentioned two of the ones that were really amazing. Uh, let's talk about the Jaguar D-Type first. Uh, anybody who has a little bit of history in motorsports will recognize the name. 
The D-types were a legendary Jaguar race car that dominated the uh, the endurance circuit back in the 50s. Yes. Uh, there were the C-types earlier, but the D-types, there was no no beating them for about five years. And on a special anniversary about 20 years ago, marking, uh, you know, marking the anniversary of their original win, I was invited to go over to the factory in England, Coventry, and handed the keys to one of two D-types that they had in the Jaguar Museum. Whoa. Now we were we were uh, we took off on a cold morning along with dozens of other folks who have actually purchased either the the street legal or the race versions of those D types, and we had a caravan going over to Lama, and we followed the original path back then, no freeways, and I think we spent a grand total of maybe ten miles on a freeway where there just simply was no easy, easy way to get from A to B. Uh, but driving this vehicle was phenomenal. Driving something that old, that exotic. And then to wrap it up, we got to do three laps of Le Mans to set off everything right before the actual start of the race. And to be driving one of these legends and having tens of thousands of people on their feet cheering you well not cheering me <laughs> cheering the car, the car yeah was just one of the most exciting experiences it's as close as i ever came to to feeling like a rock star must yeah i think so i mean it's just a legendary car and they were for a long time well after their heyday i guess night around 1959 60 when they just weren't competitive anymore uh, they kind of went away, then came back, and of course the uh, historic racing circuits. And I believe, gosh, one of the last ones that I saw sold, which was back in 2016, sold for almost 20 million dollars. So yeah. yeah, you were driving an expensive piece of iron there, no doubt. Yeah, you know, I have a bit of an introspective question, given all the cars you've driven and who you are and what you do. This this always is intriguing to me. Sometimes it baffles my guests. If you woke up tomorrow, Paul, and you were manifest as a vehicle, not what you want to be. But your perception of yourself as a human in this vehicle, what would Paul be? But more importantly, why? You know, you 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 sent me a note warning me you'd ask me that. <laughs> well, it wasn't a and, warning. <laughs> oh, no. It, 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 believe me, it, it is a bit of a warning. I think for some folks, there's an instant answer. Right. And it's easy to come up with a glib one like, oh, I'd be a Corvette. Of course, or, or a Ferrari, or, or an like, F1 car, because I'm so cool. Or, or, or <laughs> I'd be something luxurious like a Bentley. Yes. Um, I wish I could answer this. I <laughs> This is one of the rare times I'm a bit stumped uh, because of different attributes of, of what I imagine I would be. Yeah. I'd like to think of myself as sort of a, a bit of a mainstream luxury car. I don't think I would be an elite model like a Bentley. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the car that immediately comes to mind would be an Audi. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. A little exotic, a little bit of performance, high tech, because I truly love technology. It's got a little bit of style and a little bit of cutting edge qualities to it. So probably, uh, probably the car that really connects with me sort of in that segment most would be an Audi A7. An A7. Oh yeah. Nice car. Yeah, for sure. I think so. I saw where Audi just decided they were no longer going to produce their, their TTs and their R8s. Those are going to go away. So Kind of sad to see them go because they're kind of, they've always been pretty cool cars, but I like Audis. 
We had one in our family long, long ago. My regular listeners know, of course, it was not a good car. It was the old uh, LS100 oh. back in the 70s. Oh. It was a disaster, actually, and, and let oh. us down many times, including in the middle of the desert between San Diego and Tucson, Arizona, during Thanksgiving. Uh, we didn't quite make it to Thanksgiving dinner thanks to that car. But Ooh. the Audis now are just cool. They're great. The rely, I mean, everything about them is is pretty grand. My neighbor uh, replaced their their luxury Mercedes with an Audi a few years ago, and he likes it a lot better. So I like that, Paul. Uh, nice choice. That wasn't too hard. You know, it's interesting. I, you're right. I had an Audi 4000. Ah, uh, you may remember the 5000 was wrapped up in that that phony uh, sudden acceleration, oh, yeah. unintended acceleration yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, deal. The reality was they did have some problems with their um, – their uh, very early form of, of cruise control that mm-hmm. could race the engine out of control. You could stop it, however. So, yeah, occasionally people would find the engine racing a bit. I did on the 4000, mm-hmm. uh, but you could always stop the vehicle. But the reality was they had a lot of problems back then. And the good thing is they acknowledge it. Today's Audi is a very different creature. They are just such nice vehicles. My wife owns one. It's it's now 10 years old. It's convertible, and she has no desire to get rid of it. She may get a second car, but she doesn't want to get rid of the uh, convertible. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the one – I'll tell you what. Of all the cars coming up over the next 18 months, uh, one of the ones that I am most excited to drive – I'm just looking forward to it. It will be the Audi e-tron GT, the one they introduced at the 2019 Los Angeles Auto Show. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to that for sure. Well, you have to oh. report back to me because I've been trying to get my wife to get a wagon for a long, long time. She's had her last two cars have been BMW X5s. Been awesome cars, actually. Never given us any troubles. Great cars. But I just like the idea of a wagon. Of course, that new R they came out with is kind of cool. She rolls her eyes. She goes, no, I don't need that, dear. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I go, well, what we need and what we want are sometimes the same thing. She goes, no, that's not true. Reminds me of what my mom used to tell me. What you need, what you say you need is not what you need, is what you want. But uh, exactly. those things stick in our mind. Well, let's head into what I call the last lap here. I'm going to rattle off some quick questions, get some quick answers. And we'll dream about that e-tron GT when it comes out. What's one of your personal habits, Paul, that you believe has contributed to your many successes in your career? Oh, willing to work as long and as hard as necessary. Yeah, that old dog, that hungry dog mentality for sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll, add, I'll add one more thing, and they go together. The, what really made it possible for me to freelance was that I can write for pretty much anybody. Let me hear what your your radio station or network broadcasts or what, what you publish, and I can immediately adopt the style enough to, to fit in pretty much anywhere. And that, that's critical if you're going to freelance. Now, if I could wave a magic wand and arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or past, and I'm assuming you've had a lot of great meals with some amazing people, but somebody maybe you haven't, who would it be? There are so many. And, you know, this one would be so difficult to come up with a single person. Maybe just tonight. Ah, well, if all right. So if if I had the chance, there's a bunch of interest, industry executives I'd love to spend the time with, but I'm going to look into the past. And uh, uh, Walter P. Chrysler would be one. Uh, he went up against so many odds to launch his company. Uh, I'd be real curious about that. Possibly Billy Durant, the one who pulled together General Motors, lost the company, then came back. Ended his, you know, lost it again and wound up running a bowling alley in Flint, Michigan. <laughs> Amazing, huh? Yeah, crazy. Wow, I love it. Well, those are some great names for sure. 
Now, I always ask my guests about the best automotive advice someone else has ever given them. I'm going to twist this on you a little bit. Okay. I'll play a little uh, uptick with you. Since you write about so many vehicles, what's the best automotive advice you could give somebody about a future car, a car they're thinking about getting in the future? What should they consider? Well, all right. I'm going to give you two separate answers. One slightly different from what you what you're asking. Okay. Uh, and the broadest advice is that I would give about the auto industry today is that the industry is going to change at a rate that is unprecedented. Certainly, we've not seen any rate of change like this since the very earliest years of the industry, more than a century ago. And it will change in ways that we can barely imagine. It's going to start changing like consumer technology has, mm. in part because it is going to be, be consumer so much technology. more consumer yeah. technology. Yeah. Your car will uh, be a role is already a rolling computer and one and you are going to see changes in what you can do whether you know not just how you drive but whether you will actually do the driving what uh, what en- entertainment you'll get and so on everything will change mm. so that's that's one of the important things I would give anybody either looking to get into the industry or or following the business as to as to buying a car I would first tell them that there are really almost no bad cars anymore. And so if you are going to look to be buying something, look where your personal passions are. You know, you, you nudged me a few minutes ago. What, what's my passion? Right. And, and, and you really, I, I no longer recommend individual vehicles to people. I'll help them find the vehicles that they want based on what they really want inside. Yeah. What's going to excite them. I love it. Okay. I'll keep that in mind for the next car for my wife. Since I'm the one that always tends to pick her car, because she says, as long as it starts and gets me to where I want to go, that's all I really care about. So, uh, well, you know, you know exactly what I'm saying. Then, yeah. Uh, today's cars are so good. What what excites you? What you know? You have to be looking at what type of design. Uh, what's the body style that you like? Do you want all-wheel drive? Does that excite you? Uh, is performance matter? Fuel economy matter? You know, once once you start doing that. You'll find yourself drifting towards a handful of vehicles. And obviously, you have to look at cost, too. Uh, but but I really find today that people cross the barrier. If, if you try to recommend things based on the traditional way of looking at, oh, well, you know, you're going to need a midsize sedan and it's going to be domestic. No, you know, people these days... They cross shop brands and they cross shop market segments and it's hard to predict because people more and more are really, it's all about what excites them. Yeah, as it should be. That's what we're all about here at Cars, yeah. Now, I always ask guests about resources. I'm going to make this one obvious, the DetroitBureau.com. There's a pretty good one. I appreciate that. We we like we like to call ourselves the voice of the automotive world, and we cover it broadly. So you'll find news, you'll find reviews, you'll find spy shots, buying guides, tips, and just fun stories. Absolutely. Uh, we we try to cover a broad spectrum. We found that this is really connected with buyers, and, and, and of course, there's a lot. Uh, you know, you are one of the best podcasts out oh, there. Thank you, Paul. I mean, I enjoy listening to your stuff. It's a pleasure to finally join you. Uh, it's good because there are a lot out there and uh you know people will find one that really clicks with them and the same thing there's so much automotive content on the web that 
it's a bit <laughs> overwhelming at times, isn't it? I, I I just keep finding new ones all the time. It, I mean, it's just never ending, and uh, I, I think it's great. But we'll stick with the Detroit Bureau for today, and I want to make sure you listeners check it out if you have not. You probably have, but if you haven't, check it out. I'll put a link on Paul's show notes page on the Cars Out website. How about a book, Paul? Is there a book you've read recently you'd like to share? I'll tell you one that probably will come as a surprise because it's so off the wall for most people, and I found it spectacular. Uh, it's a book called The Age of Wood, subtitled Our Most Useful Material and the Construction of Civilization. Wow. And uh, it's by a guy named Roland Enos, and it's one of those books, you know, every so often you're just scanning something in the news or you pick up uh, a reference here on Facebook or something, yeah. and it was just fascinating. Uh, you know, we typically talk about the ages of man as Stone Age, Bronze Age, Iron Age, Steel Age, or the like, and now the Silicon Age, if you will. Yeah. What often gets overlooked is, is the role <laughs> that wood plays in our lives. Of course. In, in fact, he makes a very good argument that without wood, there would be no human beings. <laughs> well, you think about it. It's everywhere. It's in everything. The first homes built out of well, trees, you know. Well, uh, that, that's, that's exactly it. If you look at our evolution from from very early monkeys to primates and you know great apes, the the creatures that had the the greatest intelligence were not only those that lived up in the trees, but also learned to use it. Yep. Uh, you know, chimps can create tools. Yeah. They use wood to dig for things like roots and and other foods. Yeah. And and his argument is that that without wood, we wouldn't be human. And without wood, we never would have reached the age of anything. I mean, remember, up until barely 200 years ago, all of our boating, all everything. All made out of wood, yeah. Out of wood. So uh, that, that was one of those books, a nice discovery. I like it. Well, thanks. Nobody's recommended that book. I'll put that on Paul's show notes page. All right, Paul. We've all been talking about newer cars. I'm going to dive back in history here. I'm going to buy you a collector car today. Something old, vintage, classic, something fun for the weekend, something that ticks all the boxes that you can enjoy, something you drive. But there's a couple rules. One is you can't sell it the minute I give it to you. So if you pick something expensive, you're stuck with it. Uh, and it's the only one cool collector vehicle you can have. So it needs to kind of do it all for you. So what am I buying Paul Eisenstein today? Okay, I'll stay away from the ultra exotics, Thanks. the great Ferrari. <laughs> I appreciate uh, that. The Ferraris and the, that you know that twenty million dollar uh, Jaguar D type. Okay, and I'm flipping the coin in the air right now, and you can call it heads oh, or tails. Okay, uh, he, you know one side would be the classic '63 split window Corvette, and the other would be a uh, Jaguar E type. Well, I tell you what it's got to be, and my listener's going to know this. Love the 63 split window, but it's got to be the Jaguar E-Type. And the reason for that is that's the car that started it all for me. My dad bought me my very first Matchbox by Lesney in the 50s, no, uh -huh. 60s, uh, when he drove me to the hardware store in his 49 MGTC, and he bought me that little red car. It's, I still have it sitting right here in front of me. So it's got to be the Jaguar E-Type. I mean, it's just such a beautiful, iconic car. And of course, it is that car that Enzo said... That's the most beautiful car in the world. And that's yep. saying something coming from him, especially, and the beautiful Ferraris that he was a part of. So I'm buying you a Jaguar today. It's going to be a Series 1, of course. It's going to be a convertible. It's got to be, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the only thing is, what color do you, do you want yours to be? 
Well, the easy answer would be to go with uh, British, with racing, British green. racing Green. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's cliche. Yeah. I'd probably go with some dark gray. Okay. Uh, you know, just sort of low key, not full black, yeah. but just something very low key because you don't want the paint to outshine the design. Yeah. I love it. You know, they make a beautiful, they made those in a beautiful dark charcoal gray with a hound's blood or bloodhound, hound's blood. What's the word I'm looking, I'm thinking I've, of the, the blo- Oxford, Oxford blood interior, dark, yeah. rich, red, you know, oh, yeah. uh, something you'd see in an old British library or a uh, smoking room or something like that. I think that'd be a great combination for you. So I will get to work on that. Nice choice. <laughs> yeah. You're that was- on. That wasn't too bad. Paul, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I'm so glad we finally connected. I'm surprised it's taken me this long to get you on the show. I want to thank Jared Holland at Publicity Factory for finally being able to introduce me to you. Thank you, Jared, for making this happen today. It's been a wonderful talk. Before I let you go, could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that beautiful Jaguar E-Type? Oh, my. Uh, You know, I just... I I will just say this. The great part about the automotive world right now is that it just keeps getting more fascinating. Enjoy, enjoy what's out there and, and know that there's great classic cars. But to me, cars are just getting better every year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're great. In fact, at the Quail two years ago, I saw Jaguar had a display and they took an old E type and put an electric power plant in it, which was pretty cool. I, some people were staying there aghast. I thought it was kind of sweet. So, Well, you hit, you hit a very good no, note to wrap up on. Yeah. The reality is anybody who is scared what electric means for the future, yeah, you're right. You won't necessarily be able to enjoy that beautiful guttural roar of a V8 or that purr of a 12. Okay, I get that. I'll miss that as well. But – when you get into today's electrics and know where it's going, the future is a lot brighter than you think. Absolutely. What's the best way for people to keep up with you and follow you at the Detroit Bureau? Well, they can go directly to the website, thedetroitbureau.com. Nice thing is we have a few different uh, newsletters that they can subscribe to. Everything is free, by the way. Mm. Uh, If they're real geeks, they can subscribe to uh, an alert that will come every single time we post a new story. And we usually post five, uh, sometimes as many as ten a day. Wow. Uh, They can get a daily roundup, which for most people is what they choose, weekly, monthly. Uh, We're going to be adding some more newsletters. I am in the process of... uh, Uh, Talking to our new team about some of them, Uh, we may launch one that will focus on electric and other new technologies. Of course, I'm on Twitter. I'm on uh, Facebook. Personally, on Facebook, the the site is on Twitter. And uh, if I remember, I even post Instagram occasionally. There you go. All right. Well, I encourage you listeners to follow along with the Detroit Bureau. A lot of fun things happening. A lot of new things happening there. Paul, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with the Car Show listeners. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you in that Jaguar down the road. (laughs) You are on. It's been a pleasure, Mark, and thank you for having me. You're welcome. The pleasure is all mine. Did you know that Cars Yeah! is in the top 1% of all podcasts based on listenership, according to Libsyn, the premier RSS feed for podcasts in the United States? That's right. And Cars Yeah! is the only five-day-a-week automotive-focused podcast for you to get your message into the ears of thousands of listeners daily from all over the world. 
Plus, DuPont Registry Recommended Cars Yeah is one of their top 10 car podcasts for you to enjoy. Cars Yeah has experienced tremendous growth, plus your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find Cars Yeah every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique in very personal way, well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at mark at carsyad.com or through the website at carsyad.com today to learn more. GS Events was founded by Cindy Sisson and Teresa Gilpatrick. Together, they create strategic alliances, curated events, and business development connecting automotive brands to discerning audiences. Their flagship offering, Women Shifting Gears, amplifies women's voices and participation in the automotive culture. Through strategically developed events, they create innovative concepts and collaborations that create remarkable professional and personal experiences you won't find anywhere else. GS Events' immersive, inclusive opportunities create networking, skill-building, and unforgettable experiences. Whether you enjoy rallies, concours, auctions, restoration, the business side of collected cars, or you always have yearned to expand your skills to drive vehicles to its fullest potential, GS Events has automotive events and experiences designed just for you. And by the way, both Cindy and Teresa are past guests here on Cars Yeah! So give them a listen. You can find gsevents.live on their website today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to carsyeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!